0: Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt, to side hustles, to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. Greetings to you. Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show. So glad you're here today as we take a look at how does a 529 plan affect the FAFSA? Hmm. Let's get into it. 529 college plans, savings plans, I should say, have many benefits. They provide tax and financial aid advantages to families who save for college. Saving for college reduces student loan debt at graduation and increases college choice and also decreases stress. But saving for college can also affect eligibility for need-based financial aid. Depending on who owns the 529 plan account, a 529 college savings plan may affect either the income or the assets reported on the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, FAFSA. So, here's how a 529 plan is reported on the FAFSA. If a 529 is owned by a dependent student or a dependent student's parent, it is reported as a parent asset on the FAFSA and qualified distributions are ignored. If a 529 is owned by an independent student, it is reported as a student asset on the FAFSA and qualified distributions are ignored. If the 529 is owned by anybody other than the student or a dependent student's parent, it is not reported as an asset on the FAFSA. Not reported, but qualified distributions count as untaxed income to the student. Very interesting. This also includes 529 plans owned by the non-custodial parent if the student's parents are divorced or separated. We have a table at thecollegeinvestor.com in this article that shows how 529 plan account ownership affects the reporting of the 529 on the FAFSA. You can see that again at thecollegeinvestor.com. So the earnings portion of a non-qualified distribution will be included in the recipient's adjusted gross income on their federal income tax return regardless of who owns the account. Depending on whether the recipient is the student or a dependent student's parent, the adjusted gross income will be reported on the FAFSA. If the distribution is paid to the student or paid directly to the college, it is included in student income. If the distribution is paid to the account owner, it is included in the account owner's income. So, if a dependent student's parent is the account owner, the distribution will be reported in parent income on the FAFSA. But if the account owner is someone other than the student or a dependent student's parent, it will not be reported as income on the FAFSA. Are you following me? (laughs) So the CSS Profile, a supplemental financial aid application form used by less than 200 colleges for awarding their own financial aid funds, requires the applicant to report as an asset any 529 that lists the student as a beneficiary, regardless of the account owner. Now let's take a look at the impact of income and assets on eligibility for need-based financial aid. The expected family contribution, the EFC, is based on assets as of the date the FAFSA is filed, but on income from two years prior, the prior prior year, as reported on federal income tax returns. This then affects eligibility for need-based financial aid. Taking a look at the treatment of assets, if an asset is owned by a dependent student, it reduces aid eligibility by 20% of the asset value. There is no asset protection allowance for dependent students. If an asset is owned by an independent student without dependents other than a spouse, it reduces aid eligibility by 20% of the asset value after subtracting a small asset protection allowance. If the student is an independent student with dependents other than a spouse, it reduces aid eligibility by up to 3.29% of the asset value after subtracting a small asset protection allowance. If an asset is owned by a dependent student's parent, it reduces aid eligibility by up to 5.64% of the asset value after subtracting a small asset protection allowance, of course. Now let's take a look at the treatment of income. Dependent student income reduces aid eligibility by half of the income above an income protection allowance, or IPA. Not the beer. So the IPA for dependent students is $6,970 in 21 and 22, Parent income reduces aid eligibility by up to 47% of the income above the IPA. The IPA for parents depends on household size and the number of kids in college in the household size. So let's take a look at a quick example. The IPA for a family of four with one child in college is $29,890 in 2021 and 22. Income received by an independent student with dependents other than a spouse will reduce aid eligibility by as much as 47% of the income above the IPA. The IPA for independent students with dependents other than a spouse <laughs> depends on household size and the number of college students in the household. So, for example, the IPA for a family of four with one in college is $42,200 in 2021 and twenty-two. Income received by an independent student without dependents other than a spouse, will reduce aid eligibility by 50% of the income above the IPA. The IPA is $10,840 in 2021 and 22. If the student is single, or the student spouse is enrolled in college on at least a half-time basis, otherwise the IPA is $17,380. If the student spouse is not enrolled in college, or enrolled in college on less than a half-time basis, the contribution from available income may be divided by the applicable number in college for parents and independent students, reducing the impact of income and assets on the EFC. Phew! That was a lot of information, huh? (laughs) Okay, let's take a look at some examples to try and clear some things up from that, because I know that was a lot. Suppose there is $25,000 in a 529 plan, and the full amount is withdrawn in a qualified distribution. Okay. So the impact on aid eligibility will be as follows. Let's take a look at these five examples from what we touched on earlier. If the 529 is owned by a dependent student, it will reduce aid eligibility by as much as $1,410. Not bad, that's 5.64%. If the 529 is owned by a dependent student's parent, it will reduce aid eligibility by as much as the same thing, 1410 bucks. If the 529 is owned by an independent student without dependents other than a spouse, it will reduce aid eligibility by as much as $5,000. That's 20%. Again, we're working with $25,000 here. If the 529 plan is owned by an independent student with dependents other than a spouse, it will reduce aid eligibility by as much as 823 dollars that's 3.29%, and if the 529 is owned by someone other than the student or a dependent student's parent, such as a grandparent or non-custodial parent, it will reduce aid eligibility by as much as $12,500. Whew, 50%. So compare this with money in a custodial bank or brokerage account, such as a UGMA or UTMA account, which reduces aid eligibility by as much as $5,000 or 20%. Now, let's take a look at some workarounds because we like those for a 529 owned by a third party. There's a few of them. If someone other than the student or the parent, such as a grandparent, owns the 529, these workarounds can avoid the harsh impact of the plans on eligibility for need-based financial aid. Here's a quick note, though. If the student and parents do not know about a 529, they are not required to report it on the FAFSA. Why would they be required if they didn't know about it? So, (laughs) qualified distributions from such a 529 must be reported as untaxed income to the student regardless of whether the family knows about the source of money. For example, gifts from a grandparent and distributions from a grandparent-owned 529 have the same impact on aid eligibility. But, non-qualified distributions retained by the account owner do not need to be reported because the student and parents will not be aware of these distributions. Boom. Nevertheless, it's better if the account owner makes the student and parents aware of the existence of the 529. Awareness of a 529 plan creates an expectation that the student will go to college, (laughs) significantly increasing the likelihood that the student will enroll in and graduate from college. Here are some other possible workarounds for the harsh impact on aid eligibility, including change the account owner to the parent. Some 529 plans do not allow a change in account owner, so be be careful of that. Except, of course, for death or divorce. But if this is permitted, changing the account owner avoids the 50% reduction based on distributions. Substituting a reduction of up to 5.64% based on assets. That's much better. Roll over a year's worth of 529 plan funds to a parent-owned 529 plan after filing the FAFSA. Again, the timing is important, after filing. Since the rollover occurs after filing, the money is not reported as an asset on the FAFSA. Since the distribution to pay for college costs comes from a parent-owned 529, the distribution is not reported as untaxed income to the student on a subsequent year's FAFSA. The parent-owned 529 should be in the same state as the original 529 to avoid state recapture rules, as some states treat an outbound, out-of-state rollover as a non-qualified distribution. An out-of-state rollover is not considered a distribution from the federal perspective, by the way. Wait until January 1 of the sophomore year in college to take a distribution. Income on the FAFSA is based on income during the second previous calendar year prior to the academic year, so the prior prior year. So, if the student will graduate in four years, there will be no subsequent years FAFSA on which to report a distribution on or after January 1 of the sophomore year in college. If the student will take five years to graduate, you know, for an engineering degree, for example, Wait an additional year to take the distribution. This means the family will have to find a different way of paying for college for the first one and a half years. Wait until after graduation to take a distribution if it is unclear how long it will take the student to graduate. A qualified distribution can be used to repay up to $10,000 in qualified education debt each for the beneficiary and the beneficiary's siblings. One can also use it to repay the $10,000 in parent loans by changing the beneficiary of the 529 plan to the parent. The $10,000 limit is a lifetime limit aggregated over all 529s. One can take a non-qualified distribution to pay any additional costs. The earnings portion of a non-qualified distribution will be subject to ordinary income tax at the recipient's rate, plus a 10% tax penalty. Plus possible recapture of state income tax benefits. Eek. Here are some future changes in the impact of five hundred twenty nine plans on aid eligibility. The Consolidated Appropriations Act 2021 will simplify the FAFSA starting with the 2024-25 FAFSA. Got a ways to go yet? Although the legislation specified that the simplifications will go into effect with the twenty three and twenty-four FAFSA. The U.S. Department of Education announced that it will take them an additional year to implement the changes. It's a lot. The new FAFSA will drop the question about cash support, or untaxed income, received by the student. This means that distributions from 529 plans owned by third parties, like grandparent-owned plans, for example, will no longer be reported as untaxed income on the FAFSA. Hallelujah! Since the 2024-25 FAFSA is based on income in 2022, this means that distributions from grandparent-owned 529 starting in 2022 will no longer affect aid eligibility. This assumes, of course, that there won't be any further delays in implementation of the simplified FAFSA. It is the government, so there's no guarantee. (laughs) The distributions should be made payable to the student or the account owner, not the college, to prevent the college from treating the distribution as a resource that reduces need-based financial aid on a dollar-for-dollar basis. We have a table that shows how the 529 plan account ownership affects reporting of the 529 plan on the FAFSA, starting with the 2024 and 2025 FAFSA. You can find that and other tables and more at thecollegeinvestor.com. Just type in the title of this podcast and you will find the article. Thanks so much. I know that was a lot to take in in just like 14 and a half minutes, so <laughs> we understand. Again, check out collegeinvestor.com to find out more. Thanks again for stopping by. We'll talk to you again real soon.